Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sports Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sports Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast. We thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Welcome to this episode of the Sport Shack. <laughs> I hope you're well and have had a great sporting week. Well, that's it. That, that's Walk it. right in, sit right down. That's a lot more crunchy, <laughs> What kind of week have you had? Oh, just the normal. Go, just go, normal. go. Here, there, everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's good to have some warmer warmer weather. Yeah. Those storms bloody, bloody annoy me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't mind the old storm. Do you? Yeah, I love storms. Yeah, what do you like about them? The, just the, the roar of the thunder and the, yep. the crack of the lightning like. One bowl of lightning could run Brisbane for a month. Yeah. That's how much power is in one stroke of lightning. Because on my father's boat's maiden voyage, he got struck by lightning twice. <laughs> on Christmas Day at midday, yeah. one, we were just going under the Captain Cook Bridge. Just as we approached the bridge, bang, you got struck by lightning. Oh, gee. Now, luckily, on top of the mast is a, a copper rod with a 45-degree angle. So the lightning will always hit the highest point, and then it shoots into four. Yeah. So we got under the bridge with about five or six foot to spare between the top of the mast and the bottom of the bridge. Just got out the other side of the bridge... Great, yeah, hooray, we've done it, and zabang, yeah. it got struck again. <laughs> but but I got to I got to feel the electricity in the air, and ever yeah. since I've been able to, well, I haven't been able to do it for a while, but mm. I could tell the storm was coming on yeah. even before the clouds appeared. Well, Jesus got close the other night, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was in Broadbeach and. Luckily, I was inside, but I think the closest I've ever been to uh, getting struck, I remember I was at cricket practice. Yeah. It would have been, oh, I was about mid-90s, I reckon. Yeah. Mid-1990s. Yeah, yeah, we were packing up, you know, because the storm was, yeah. the mother of all storms was about to hit. Yeah. And then, boom! Yeah. <laughs> I, I reckon I was that close to getting hit, and I hit the ground yeah. so quick. Yeah, because yeah. when we kids were young, we went camping, and it was a perfect summer's afternoon. Mm. Not a cloud in the sky, not a breath of wind. I went in for a shower, came back out, and I could feel it coming. It was yeah. it was coming on dusk. The stars were just coming out. Yeah. I went back to the tent, and I got the kids to book. Whatever we didn't need in the car, and I added another two ropes to each post in the tent. Mm. Ten minutes later, 
this massive filthy storm came from the south and caught everyone out. Yeah. Unguarded. <laughs> and, and we're just sitting there out in the tent. Mm. And we're watching other tents flying around and yeah. people just packing up stuff and going. But, yeah. uh, it's one thing whenever I go camping, you don't want a bloody storm. <laughs> it happened, well, when was it? I think this time last year. Yeah. Or the year before. Yeah. 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 Anyway, what, what else been happening this week? Um, <laughs> I won't be able to hear We've done our me- meteorology report. Yeah, no, well, yeah, had different. Speaking of that storm the other night, it struck the top of Q1. Yeah. Yeah? There's a video on Facebook, I'll try to find it. This biggest lightning bolt, and it hit right on top of the Q1. None of the power went out. Yeah. Sam's got a scoop for us. I know. Hey. Throw it on you, though. Hey. You're, you're a Hero. reporter. And you know what? No, but it was amazing. It was Yeah, it was but, but but Q1's actually designed to get struck by lightning. Well, apparently so. Because if that big antenna wasn't there, it would still get struck by lightning. Yeah. Because light, lightning it's more common to go from from cloud to ground or or ground to cloud. So if that big conductor wasn't on there, it would get struck by lightning and probably kill large majority of the people there. Gee. But 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 on that lightning rod, on that lightning conductor, they've got a massive big copper rod that goes all the way down through the building. What is it? Eighty odd flights, and then and then another. Couple of hundred meters into the ground. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Gosh. And then not long after that, there was a massive red moon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I got photos. I'll show you one. Oh, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was seeing a bloody literally a UFO. I said, "Slams it on." Staring out over the ocean, thinking that's going to turn. Around. It's just a plane. You never know. It might have been. No, no, no. We sat there and watched it for about an hour. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Australia won their first two games. Yeah. They were lucky to get over the line in their first match against South Africa. Yeah. They bowled really well and got them out for a low total and, yeah, just crawled over the line with their batting. Uh-huh. Um, but, geez, he had a good win against Sri Lanka. But, no, uh, Pakistan are going really well. Yeah, yeah they uh, beat India for the first time ever in any any type of Cricket World Cup. So, you know how big the ashes are? Yeah. Yeah, well, Pakistan versus India, you multiply the ashes <laughs> by 10. Yeah. That's how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the sad thing is, you know, they hardly ever play each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, p- 
political hostilities and yeah. but no, the players seem to get along really well. You know, there was yeah, yeah even yep. So yeah. no, that was good to see. That they flogged them by ten <laughs> wickets. Wow. Yeah. And Pakistan just went the whole whole of Pakistan just went crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it was like they'd you know. Did they get into the second innings or Yeah, well India batted first, got a decent total, about yeah. hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty. Yeah. Pakistan won it by ten wickets, didn't even lose a wicket. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. But uh so no, Australia play England tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah. So that'll be a really tough match. Uh, yeah. But it's a yeah, very important game. Whoever wins that could go on and top the group. So Yeah, yeah and then uh Ben Stokes, the brilliant English all rounder, he's been declared fit for the Ashes tour. He's been added to their squad just when I thought, Oh, you beauty. He won't be playing because <laughs> he didn't play four years ago. He, he got in trouble for that uh, punch-up outside this nightclub yeah. in uh, Bristol, I think it was. So, oh, yeah, he's so important to their side. Yeah. So, yeah, it's game on now. Like, yeah, they've got a real show. Yeah. Yeah. Seems just... Bringing over a, the picture of the moon. There's a plane flying around with a bandana saying, be a lifesaver, get a jab. Yeah, oh, so yeah, I've seen that. See, have you seen yeah. it flying around? Yep. Uh, uh, and what I say to that pilot is, well done. Really? Yep, Did get a jab. Yours? Yeah. I've been fully vaccinated since July. I've, I've I'll say it to everyone out there. <laughs> If you haven't had your jab, go get it now. No if, buts or maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm contemplating. My mum's going to go get her one done now. She's yeah. she wouldn't. My dad's got one. He swore he wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bad guy. So yeah. So, yeah, a bit of a warning today. We could have some crude language crude going language. on. Yeah, we've oh. got one of our special episodes. Um, I've been looking forward to this one though. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the episode's called Vale Sir Rex. The ones <laughs> that leave us flabbergasted. <laughs> and what we're talking about is the great man, Mr. Rex Mossop. Have you heard of Rex Mossop, Sam? I have not. Yeah? No. Oh, okay. Might I might have to introduce you to him. Well, he's. He's passed away now. Right. Yeah. What was he, what did he do? He was a famous f- footy commentator. Oh, okay. What's his name, sorry, again? Rex Mossop. Mm. I've talk about him lately. <laughs> have I? Have people talking about him lately? Oh, I think people... Rex has left a lot of lasting memories with us. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 10 years now since the great man passed away. I think they had something to do. Hey, hey, it's yeah. official thing the other night. That's right. Yeah. They would have for sure. Yeah. Oh, gee, that looks yummy. Yeah. That's just Yeah. No, I'm all good. I had a bit of tucker before. Yeah. So, yeah, so Rex, it was a uh, dual international. He played both rugby union and rugby league for Australia. 
And according to Wikipedia, Rex played rugby union for the Manly Club and played eight tests for the Wallabies from 1948 to 1951. And then he switched to rugby league. And he played 98 games for Lee in England. And from 1956 to 1963, Rex played 136 games for his beloved Manly Seagulls in the New South Wales Rugby League. And nine tests for Australia. Yeah. I didn't realise he spent all that time playing in England, though. That surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, Rex then went on to have an illustrious career as a rugby league commentator. And from the early 1970s till 1990, he was the voice of rugby league on Channel 7 and Channel 10. As a child growing up, I remember him being the host of Controversy Corner. Used to watch that every Sunday morning. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, that's I think that's where the footy show uh, got its idea from. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was the first real footy show, but it didn't have all you know the, the hot, yeah all all the was, all the jokes and yeah, crude. It was, yeah, it was just a whole bunch about yeah. four or five footy blokes, old heads, yeah. talking about the game. Yeah, um, yeah. so on Controversy Corner, I remember Rex was the host. Oh, thanks, Sam. Yeah, and yeah, it was a rugby league discussion segment with Ferris Ashton, Cole Pearce, Noel Kelly and Alan Clarkson. And I remember they had the pass the ball competition. So Rex would be there standing there hosting and they'd have two first grade players each week, one each from different clubs, and they'd pass the ball. You know, they'd get about nine goes each. Yeah. And if the ball went into the middle, like, it'd make – because it'd normally be sponsored by the the Wales Bank. You know, it was – yeah, Wales was the old Westpac, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I think they had, like, a, an elephant – that's uh, uh, their yeah. symbol back then. Yeah. So whenever the ball would hit the board, say if it was a, a eight, Rex would write down and he'd say eight. And then <laughs> if the ball went into the chute in the middle yeah. of the bullseye, you'd hear this, <laughs> the elephant sound. <laughs> yeah, and they'd have like, you know, competition throughout the year and yeah. – um, yeah, and that you know they'd have the grand final, pass the ball competition, and at the end of the season, uh-huh. yeah, no, it was good, good, good watching. Yeah, and I remember his sideline eye, Mister Barry Ross, and Rex always spoke his mind. He was blunt, and he didn't pull any punches. Rex had a segment when he read the sport in the nineteen eighties called the Flabbergasted Award of the Week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about sports personalities that have less left us flabbergasted <laughs> in one way or another. And some of them are still, are still not giving up. Oh, yeah. Even in public life today. Well, Rex had one uh, sports personality that pretty much every week <laughs> he's got the award. Yeah, we'll talk about him later on. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. He's a tennis player. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so Glenn, what are your memories of Rex Mossop and the athletes that have left us flabbergasted? You mentioned one last week. What? Um, yeah, the, We're going to talk about him in depth today. Yeah, yeah, but there's also a lot of other characters out there, like Dipper. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Dipper? Yeah, Robert Dipper Dimatico. Yeah, yep. he's still going. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to be aging. Yep. He still looks like he was 10 years ago. Mm. But yeah, just the... Just the yeah, the, you know, the sporting characters that have come along and Merv Hughes. Oh, that's yeah, right. Like he, he wasn't the the slimmest the, the slimmest guy around, but mm. he had a he had a a um a personality. Yeah. yeah, he kept me awake all night when I was staying at this beachside place in Antigua, in the West Indies, when I was there. Yeah. He was at the bar with his mates and all I heard was because <laughs> he had this really loud laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt like saying, shut up, Merv. <laughs> yeah. No, there's been some crazy things over the years, eh? But he used to, like, kiss Alan Border's ear, stick his tongue down his ear. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was just weird. No, he is a real character. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, one thing Rex was well known for was his mossopisms, or being known as Rex R- Rock's mess-up <laughs> for his on- on-air mistakes. So let us look at some mossop- mossopisms now. Oh, one thing I do remember is uh, Monday in the... Mid-80s, they brought in this uh, Monday night football, you know, with the uh, the rugby league. Yeah. So, you know, they'd play Saturday night. They'd, yeah, so they'd play games a game on the Saturday. They'd play all the other games on the Sunday. That was the, what they traditionally did for years and years. But all of a sudden, they would have one game to finish off the round on a Monday night. And it was always played at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And, uh, yeah, when it first came in, you know, because it was big in America for years, you know, with their gridiron, Monday night football. Yeah. And I've never been a fan of it, you know, because by the time Sunday's finished, yeah, it's the start of a new week. Yeah. And Thursday night's good, but, yeah, yeah Monday, no, nah, it's too early in the week. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I remember on the SCG there, they'd have these, you know, the big um, mascots? <laughs> there was like a, a big emu walking along the sideline while the, yeah. the game was going on. Yeah. And uh, Rex would go, I remember he said one time, he goes, if that bloody thing doesn't go away, I'm going to get a gun out and shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he did always talk his mind, that's for sure. No, but some of his mossopisms. So one thing is, uh, if I keep getting Boyd and O'Grady mixed up, it's because they look alike, especially around the head. <laughs> <laughs> you got tiny, diminutive, little Mark Shulman. Another one is, he seems to be favouring a groin injury at the top of his leg. <laughs> 
one of his favourite ones was, now the referee's giving him a verbal tongue lashing. And... Yeah, and he, he, another one he said, I don't want to sound incredulous, but I can't believe it. And he, he's famous for making that citizen's arrest in 1976 at that nudist beach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, he, he was a really um, parochial, manly supporter, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Even when he was commentating. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, if Manly was, wasn't playing well, geez, he'd give them a bag. And, like, um, I was watching – there was a game on last night on Fox and it was a game from 1989 and, yeah, Manly were behind. You know, they weren't going too well. And he said, some of these Manly players should be booked for loitering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I don't want uh, – oh, yeah, he said, uh, I saw Manly visibly wilt – and as Paul often says, bless my soul. He used to say that too. <laughs> so according to his great mate, Barry Ross, on the Courier Mail website, at Leichhardt Oval one day, a fan threw a beer can onto the field towards Arthur Beetson. And Rex grabbed the bloke to make a citizen's arrest. And the fan was terrified and said to him, Are you going to hand me to the police? <laughs> and Rex said, No, I'm going to give you to Beetson. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he would have sorted him out. Okay, so we're up to our Who Am I segment now. This week's Who Am I? So we're going to talk about a famous tennis player today. So he uh, left a lot of people flabbergasted uh. by his behaviour and actions and yeah, so I was born in 1959, and I'm an American former professional tennis player. And according to the International Tennis Hall of Fame website, I was controversial, immensely competitive, and prone to great outbursts. However, I was immensely talented and considered by many as the best tennis player ever. Ever seen, yes. Yeah. So I won seven Grand Slam singles titles and nine Grand Slam doubles titles. I had some great on-court rivalries with Bjorn Borg, Ivan Lendl and Jimmy Connors. He was another one, wasn't he? <laughs> he used to carry on like a pork chop. Yeah. <laughs> I remember he was yelling out to this umpire once, like, right at, oh, he's... It was in the US Open. He was like 39 years of age in 1991. And he was having a really good run. I think he made it through to the semis, I think. And he's telling this umpire he's a bum. You're a bum. I'm out here 39 years of age, busting my ass. (laughs) Yeah, so my Wimbledon loss in 1980 to... Beyond Borg is considered one of the greatest matches in tennis history. However, my blow-ups on the court smash rackets and battles with the umpire are famous. And comments such as, You cannot be serious, man! You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Chalk Uh flew up! It was clearly in! How can you possibly call that ball out? Um. Another one is like he, I remember he's clenching a tennis ball, and he's 
waving at the umpire. Answer the question, jerk. The question. Uh. Yeah, so his nickname was Super Brat. My name is... It's an easy uh. one. Uh, we'll reveal it later at the end of the show. Yeah, talk about... Give the answer at the end of the show today. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just lost me. Skipped the air. We're up to where are they now? Okay. Where are they now? So, we're going to the world of Aussie rules today. We haven't had a where Mm. are they now Um, Uh, Aussie rules sports personality, but oh boy. Yep. (laughs) When you talk about being flabbergasted. Yeah. This guy first comes to your mind, doesn't he, Glenn? Yeah. Rex Mossop, he used to call Aussie rules aerial ping pong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my father used to call it that as well. Yeah. Oh, oh, aerial ping pong or, or kicking giggle. Kicking giggle. <laughs> 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 okay, so we're going to talk about the one and only Warwick Kappa. So... Warwick Kappa was born in 1963 and is a former Australian rules footballer who played for the Sydney Swans and the Brisbane Bears in the Victoria Football League, or now the Australian Football League, the AFL. So he was an accomplished full forward who kicked 388 goals over a 124-game career. And Kappa was known for his colourful personality and flashy looks. And according to Wikipedia, Kappa was used as a marketing tool amid VFL expansion north of the Barassi line. Mm. So do you know what the Barassi line is? So, yeah, I'd never heard of it before, but what it is, it's an imaginary line that divides Australia between um, rugby league, where rugby league is mainly played, you know, in the eastern states. Yeah. Um, and where Aussie rules is yeah. only, yeah. you know, big, yeah. which is like the whole of the rest of the country. Yeah. So, yeah, that was what was called the Bar- Barassi line uh, after the, the famous player. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Ron Barassi. Yeah, Ron Barassi. Yeah. So, yeah, Kappa was famous for his marking. So I was watching a – if you go on YouTube – it's, there's a guy called Mike Sheehan. He's a well-known Aussie rules uh, journalist. Uh-huh. And he's, he does an interview with Warwick Kappa. Uh-huh. And, yeah, Warwick Kappa was saying, yeah, he, he was a good high jumper as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, that was one of the reasons why he was a good marker. and uh-huh. Yeah, jumping up high, the take high balls. And in 1987, he managed 103 goals at an average of 4.48 per game. Mm-hmm. And Kappa is one of just three Swans players to have kicked 100 goals in a season. Yeah. Yeah, never knew that. So he had a high profile in New South Wales and Queensland and became the VFL's highest paid player. In the mid nineteen eighties, with his blonde mullet, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. one of the first things you think of the eighties is the mullet. Um, yeah, yeah, or white or pink boots, and his skin tight shorts. 
Yeah, and he was known for um, his association with flamboyant Swans owner Jeffrey Edelston. He passed away recently, didn't he? Yeah, a few years, a couple of years yeah and ago. he's Jeffrey Edelston with his yeah, uh, and some bimbo girlfriends, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. After his cash, I'd say. Uh, and you, my, you think so? I thought oh, that, I think so. I yeah. thought that with him because of his personality. <laughs> yeah, he's glowing. So. Yeah, a happy personality. Yeah? No. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he had, a, he had a go at pop music and he had a song in 1985, uh, I Only Take What's Mine. <laughs> and the music video, um, the music video featured Capra in, pink, in a pink sports car yeah. and in Edelston's helicopter. Yeah. I remember going to the SCG in 1986 because this was the first year where the Swans actually had a really good year. I think they were leading the competition for a, a lot of that season. Um, up until then, no one gave a continental about them, really, apart yeah. from, you know, ex, yeah. expats from Victoria. Um, yeah. yeah, so I remember watching Kappa play for the Sydney Swans in... They were playing Hawthorne in front of a packed crowd. And the Swans had arrived. However, they were no match for the great Hawthorne side that day. And they were sound, soundly beaten. Yeah. And uh, there was a guy who I went with. He's, uh, he was a famous rugby league uh, touch judge. I think he's retired now. Yeah. Yeah, but he was one of my mates at school. Yeah. And he invited me along to this AFL because I'd never been to an Aussie rules game before, really. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when we're leaving the ground, <laughs> there's this really expensive car, like one of the flashiest cars you've ever seen. Yeah. And I don't know, it must have been Jeffrey Edelston's car. Yeah. And... Uh, my mate, you know, he, he had a real <laughs> sense of humour on him. Yeah. And he goes up to this bloke, oh, Dad, can I have a lift? <laughs> In front of yeah. all these people walking out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that was uh, Edelson's car. Yeah. yeah. But no, they got flogged that day, the Swans. Mm. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, but he blames his ex-wife who walked out on him for not getting 100 goals in one of the seasons he played. Yeah. He blames his ex-wife for a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so Kappa moved to the Brisbane Bears at the end of the 1987 season with a $350,000 three-year contract. It was actually $450,000 transfer fee. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, eh? That was a lot of money back then. Yeah. It's a lot of money now, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah that would have been yeah. Back in those days, it'd be equivalent to yeah, mm. three and a half mil. Yeah, yeah. Well, was, this was when the Bears joined the competition. Yeah, so might have been their second season, and they really needed a a marquee mm. player, yeah. you know, someone who was gonna. Yeah. Get peep bums on seats, and yeah. he was an entertainer, Kappa. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but 
he didn't do us well in Queensland and returned to Sydney after having kicked only 71 goals in 34 games. And he admits, yeah, it was a big mistake. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, he went there for the cash and, yep, just didn't perform. Mm. And at the end of his VFL career, he returned to Queensland in 1992 to play semi-professional football with the Southport Sharks, which is just very nearby. Yep. Yep, drove past that ground this morning. Yeah. And in 1993, Kappa posed in an explicit pictorial with his then-wife, Joanne Kappa, for the yeah. August issue of Australian Penthouse magazine. Yeah. And he also announced that he was to become a male stripper. <laughs> <laughs> and other things he's done, he's, he's been a porn star, a lollipop man, a male escort. Um, he even has mentioned that... Uh, in his time, especially with yeah, when he went to Brisbane, he had a full-time security guard due to like four or five death threats yeah. from uh, yeah Swan supporters. Uh, yeah, who were really pissed off about him going to Brisbane. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So on open mic on on the interview, he called himself the Paris Hilton of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's see what Warwick Kappa's doing now. He's 58 years of age and has juggled media appearances and various jobs, including being a council road worker. Uh, yeah, so he, he's continued participation in football only through the charity, AFL, the AFL Legends match. Yeah. So he's made regular appearances on television as a guest on shows such as the AFL footy show and appeared briefly on the reality television show Celebrity Big Brother. And Kappa was ejected by the show's producer for exposing himself <laughs> to fellow housemate Kimberly Cooper during an argument. Uh-huh. So he does a lot of these um, guest speaking roles now. He's, uh-huh. yeah, apparently he does like... 200, about 200 a year. Yeah. Well, this is what he reports. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and he ch- charges up to three grand yeah. for his guest speaking roles. And it's all about how to be the, how to get the best out of yourself. <laughs> I, won't be, I won't be lining up to get um, those tickets. The minute they give it to you. Oh. Yeah. In 2005, Kappa released an autobiography called Full Forward. Have you got that one? Nah. <laughs> In which he openly admitted to using illegal drugs. Yeah, mainly amphetamines during the VFL, AFL, during his VFL career. Yeah, sorry. And he was really pissed off that he wasn't in the Swans team of the century. <laughs> so when it was announced, he uplifted this table and stormed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think uh, Tony Lockett was a better player than him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so according to... Uh, yeah, in the Sunday Telegraph in 2006, he had a... Dust up with film director Kiran Noska and Kappa copped a broken nose. And Kappa made the headlines for his cosmetic surgery involving Botox and liposuction. And he also challenged former professional boxer 
Jeff Fennick to a fight. Oh, that <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Fennick, three times world champion. Yeah. He's been on Where Are They Now too, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And in 2009, he did box in a promotional charity match, losing a match against Jill Rugby League Union superstar Wendell Saylor. And according to ABC News, Capper intended to contest the 2009 Queensland state election uh. in the electoral district of Bow Desert as an independent against Pauline Hanson. Mm. Who else would it be? Yes. <laughs> However, his political career fell to pieces a few days later when he was advised that he missed the midday deadline to register with the Electoral Commission of uh. Queensland. Oh. oh dear! Oh, never mind. In 2010, he became the face of a promoting promotional campaign for QuickBeds.com, a discount accommodation website, which promote promoting the website as cheap and easy, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> and he participated on the Celebrity Apprentice Australia, where he was the first contestant to be fired. He now lives in Melbourne, and according to sydneyswans.com, he does around, as I mentioned, yeah, around 200 speaking engagements and promotional appearances a year. And he's part of the team on The Platform, which is a late-night entertainment show seen on Foxtel Aurora. Uh. Can't say I stay up and watch that. Uh. Last year, he was rushed to hospital with a burst appendix. Yeah, thankfully he's recovered. So that's the story of Warwick Capper. I'm sure there's a lot more. But yeah, loads of scratch on the surface. I was just talking before about the open mic interviews where he interviews, you know. Yeah. I used to watch some of them, like uh, yeah. on the AFL channel. Yeah. It was quite interesting, you know. They'd, each week they'd talk to like a former great player. and Yeah, yeah and you should see the one on... Uh, Oh, it was about five years ago. Yeah. Now, four or five years ago, on Mark Jacko Jackson. Do you remember him? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm an individual. You, you can't, can't be. Oh, you should see it. Yeah. Jacko just goes crazy because yeah. he absolutely despised this Mike Sheehan. Yeah. And just. The whole interview, he's just giving him a verbal tongue lashing and uh, you're scamming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let us now look at some other sports person personalities that have been in the limelight for the wrong reasons over the years. So the ones that surely would have left our Rex flabbergaster. <laughs> <laughs> so we've mentioned this one before, Tonya Harding. So she was the former American figure skater. And, uh, yeah, she was conspired. She was on a conspiracy charge at the 1994 US Figure Skating Championships after her ex-husband and bodyguard hired a man to assault her American teammate and main rival and former <laughs> guest on Where Are They Now, Nancy uh, Kerrigan. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that episode? Oh, it's going back a while now. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was on Where Are They Now? Uh, I'm just trying to think what that episode oh, was yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a yearly one. 
one. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. 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 And here's one. Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah, one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. However, he's well known for his misdeeds rather than his boxing achievements. And in 1992, he was convicted of raping an 18-year-old model and sentenced to three years in jail. Yeah. Yeah. In 1997, we've spoken about this in uh, the 1997 episode, he bit off a piece of Evander Holyfield's ear and he struggled for years with bankruptcy and drug abuse and made comments in public such as wanting to eat people and rip out their stomachs. Thankfully, he appears to have turned his life around. And Tiger Woods... The golfing legend was involved in a sex scandal in 2009 which destroyed his marriage and image in public. Well, there was about 19 women. Oh, there was more. It was over 20. Yeah, Yeah. 20, yep. Yeah, Yeah. and he had um, sexual affairs with a large number of women, including adult film stars, and he had a car crash outside his home. So this is around 2009. I remember he'd just been out competing in the Australian Masters. Yeah. And that, I think that's what brought it to light because he'd, I think he'd like flown a American, uh, some actor or something over, over to Melbourne. Yeah. And they, you know, yeah. snuck her into his hotel and, yeah. yeah. But he had a car crash outside his home while being attacked with a golf club by his then wife, Ellen Nordegren. Yeah, uh-huh. so have you seen what his, <laughs> his ex-wife looked like, though? Vaguely. Oh, stunning. Absolutely yeah. stunning. You know, I just think, what an idiot. And Lance Armstrong, seven-times Tour de France winner, had all his titles taken from him in 2012 when found guilty of years of illegal drug use and doping. The International Cycling Union, Union banned him for life and, according to sportsshow.net, also stripped him of being the head of his Life Strong Foundation. So remember, he, uh, he had testicular cancer, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and everyone, you know, just looked up to him and, oh, what a hero and, yeah... yeah. And uh, a lot of it was just all a big fraud, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, you pro- this is someone who, uh, we'll go to the soccer world now. Yeah. Oh, boy, we've had a few in, in the sport of football. Uh, Luis Suarez is a Uruguayan football star. So this has happened in recent years. He was banned for 10 matches in the Premier League for biting Chelsea opponent. Uh, Branislav Ivanovic, and he deliberately handballed in the World Cup match against Ghana in the 2010 World Cup and was sent off. Yeah. And he kicked Michael Dawson from Tottenham in an EPL game and opponent Scott Parker. Uh. He has pulled opponent's hair and racially, abu- and racially abused Patrice Evra uh. in an EPL match against Manchester United. Yeah. He received an eight-match ban and a £40,000 fine. And in the 2014 World Cup match against Italy, he bit Italian defender Giorgio 
Cellini while waiting for a cross. Yeah. <laughs> Suarez fell on the ground. Yeah, acting and clutching his face. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. The controversial inch incident made headlines all around the world. And we also had Diego Maradona. Yeah, the Argentinian football star is considered one of the greatest players of all time. He was known for his cocaine abuse and his hand of God in the 1986 World Cup game against uh, England. Uh, yeah. He passed away in recent years. Uh, you know, many regard him as the greatest player of all time up there with Pelé. Uh, yeah, he was a genius. Uh, Maradona. Yeah. And uh, Dennis Rodman. So, yeah, we spoke about him last week, didn't we? <laughs> The former American Hall of Fame basketballer was well known for his controversy and behaviour rather than his basketball. And according to Wonderlist.com, he wore a white wedding dress on court while promoting a book. And he argued with referees and teammates and he often wear different coloured hair. And what was it last week he got in trouble for kicking a... A cameraman in the in the nuts, didn't uh, he? Yeah. <laughs> uh. And Luke Longley, he reported that on the way to a match in the bus, he was dressed up as a woman. Uh. Yes, you do. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. This is casual though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was I've just, done, I've but done. apparently he trained really hard. Uh, yeah. Uh. But although he lived this crazy life, he just, yeah, on, once it came... To basketball, he just flicked that switch, yeah. and he was just totally focused on yeah. it. Yeah, but he needed to go. Like I remember watching that um, uh, that documentary, the Last Dance. Yeah, and that's what Phil Jackson said that to him, the coach. He yeah. said, "Just let him go there. Let him go yeah. to Vegas. Let him just let him get it out of his system." Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's just more relaxed and once he got all that craziness out. Uh, O.J. Simpson. What can you remember about O.J. Simpson, Glenn? <laughs> oh, gosh. Anything that, you know, mostly the, the off-field yeah. antics and, you know, police chasing him and, mm. you know, carrying on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, what was that car he was driving around in? It was a Bronco. Yeah, Ford Bronco. Yeah, I think. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I never, you know, remembered him from his gridiron days. Um, but remember that movie, The Naked Gun? Yeah. Yeah, he was in that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was an actor in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but remember that 1994. Yeah, so he yeah he was a fame he's a famous retired track athlete, an American football star, but as you said, he's well known for that car chase from the police around Los Angeles, mm. just after his ex-wife Nicole Brown and her friend Ron Goldman were found brutally murdered. It was a brutal murder, you know. Yeah. Um, controversially, he was found not guilty. Yeah. However authored a book about how he would have committed the crimes if he was the murderer. Yeah, so 
I just find it hard to believe that he didn't commit that crime. Yeah. I think it was, uh, yeah, yeah, like. But uh, he's been in trouble. I think he's in jail now, actually, yeah. for some other offence. Yeah. Uh, so karma came back to get him. Yeah. Yep. John Daly, the American golfer, he won two majors. However, it was well known for his controversy. In 2008, he was found drunk outside a Hooters restaurant, <laughs> of all places. <laughs> he had lots of gambling problems too, and according to uh, Martin Inglis in Wikipedia, Daly claimed to have lost between US 50 and six, between 50 to $60 million over a 15-year period. Uh. Wow. Oh, just the dangers of gambling, eh? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, so broken marriages, being attacked with a steak knife by one of his wives. Now, I remember he used to, um, when they had the Australian PGA in Coolum. Yeah. Yeah, he, he played in it. Oh, yeah. So there was about two or three years there he, he played in it. Yeah. And, yeah, he'd <laughs> throw his clubs into the water and, yeah. But geez, you know, won two majors. Yeah. There was no mug. Yeah. Uh-uh. Now this guy, uh, yeah, I think many people probably wouldn't remember this bloke. He's not very well known. He's an American tennis player called Jeff Tarango, and he was a, he's a former American tennis player, and he was def- he defaulted himself out of Wimbledon in 1995. And he was the first to do so, according to tennismajors.com. Yeah. So he was playing on an outside court, you know, one of yeah. those outside courts. And, yeah, and he just was getting totally fed up with the crowd and, you know, the umpire. And he just picked up his bag and just <laughs> simply left the court in the middle of his third-round match against Alexander uh, Marantz. I think that's how it's pronounced. And yeah, and he just yeah, it was this umpire. He was called Bruno Rebea, yeah. And he, he'd call this, you know, oh, you're the most corrupt official in the game. And yeah, and soon after the incident, Tarango's wife he joined in on the drama and slapped mm-hmm. Rebea in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, how can we not forget this bloke? The one and only, and unfortunately is an Aussie, Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> the Aussie tennis player has a reputation as a talented but volatile player who frequently gets in the trouble for his on-court conduct. And in 2019, Kyrgios was fined $113,000 for his conduct at the Cincinnati Masters. Mm-hmm. The fine set an ATP record. Yeah. What do you think? You think they should get fined, or the same with like league players now for their? Well, I, I like I like to know where the fine, the money for the fine goes to. Yeah, fines or suspensions. Do you think yeah, which but, one's better? Yeah, but when they pay the fine, where does the money go? Yeah, exactly. Well, especially that amount of money. Because I think yeah, like well, because uh. uh 
big sportsmen are making so much money these days that $113,000 would be... Yeah. You probably picked that Pocket up. Pocket money. Yeah. yeah. So unless they really, yeah, either increase the fines massively mm. or bring in some sort of large penalty where they get to miss or forfeit or whatever. Yeah. But just something that's really going to make a change to their ranking or whatever to, um, yeah, to stop them from doing this stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's more difficult with individual athletes where, you know, like with the, if they're in a team, say, you know, like the NRL. Yeah. You know, I think being suspended is a bigger punishment than a fine. Like as you said, it, yeah. you know, like they're earning heaps of money anyway. Yeah. So if they get like a thirty thousand, forty thousand dollar fine, yeah, I don't care. They couldn't give a continental, you know. But yeah. And, affecting yeah. their team and their teammates, yeah. and yeah, you know, letting their teammates down, and yeah, yeah, but, and also, you know, they might get a thirty thousand dollar fine, but what do they get paid? Paid per match. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he's been known for tanking matches, such as the 2015 Wimbledon Championship, where he failed to return numerous serves. Things like that just piss me off. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Uh-huh. And according to tennisabstract.com, in 2017, he admitted that he had probably tanked at eight tournaments during his professional career. Yeah. So straight away, you know. If the ITA had balls, like, they'd just ban him for two years. Yeah. You know? Some sports do that. Like, if they've... It's like taking drugs, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Legal drugs. Yeah. Yeah. During a match at the 2015 Rogers Cup, Curious directed insults at his opponent, Stan Marinka, and said, uh, Kokonakis, so he's a fellow Aussie player, banged your girlfriend... Sorry to tell you that, mate. Uh, reference to fellow Aussie player. Yeah, so Stan Marinka, he's won like three majors. Uh, <laughs> like, what's Kyrgios done? Uh, yeah. Made a goose of himself. Like, he's, he's, he hasn't done anything in, my, in the Grand Slams, nothing. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, he barely tries. Kyrgios was fined $13,127 and given suspended penalties of $32,818 and a 28-day ban. In October 2016, Curious was fined $32,900 for lack of effort and for verbal abuse of a spectator, and $1,969 for unsportsmanlike conduct and banned for eight weeks at the Shanghai Masters. And he, f- he threw a match 6-3-6-1 in 48 minutes at one point, asking the umpire, can you call time so I can finish this match and go home? What a goose. <laughs> and there's been a lot more <laughs> flabbergasted moments by Nick Kyrgios. Uh-huh. K- sorry. And another one of his, his uh, mates, uh, Bernard Tomic, fellow, he's a goal coaster. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, known for his controversial behaviour, including legal issues, altercations with officials and fans, and accusations of tanking during events. And at the 2016 US Open, during his first round loss, he verbally abused a spectator after being taunted. And in, in an interview with Channel 7's Sunday Night program, Tomic admitted that he never loved tennis and says that he built his career on 50% effort. So maybe some of these players, you know, they should just go and get a nine. <laughs> yeah. Like a job. They're only in it for the money. See how they go. See how they go. They're yeah. just spoiled brats, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Just spoiled brats. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, you look at a wonderful role model like Patrick Rafter. Yeah. And you just look at how he was raised. Good family values. Yeah. Yeah. He had to work hard for everything. Yeah. Tried his backside off, you know. Uh, Even towards the end of his career with a busted shoulder. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Ben Cousins. Oh, boy. He's had a lot of problems. He's a former Aussie Rules star. And he was captain of the West Coast Eagles. He's well known for his struggles with his drug addiction and run-ins with the law and time in jail. In 2017, he received a 12-month prison sentence for a variety of offences. In 2006, Cousins fled a booze bus, abandoning his Mercedes-Benz and girlfriend Samantha Druce in the middle lane of Perth's Canning Highway and running from police with a male passenger. And in 2016, Cousins failed to appear in court on charges of breaching a violence restraining order and possessing methamphetamine. Also crashed his car into a truck and was hospitalised. Mm. This is a weird case because, you know, he, he comes from a, uh, yeah, like a good family. Yeah. Uh, like I think his dad's like a lawyer or something, like a solicitor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, they've shown a couple of documentaries of him over the years, yeah. and it just shows this. They had one where sort of it was towards the end of his career, and they had one a couple of years ago. You know, this was, like, yeah. ten years later. And yeah. you just see the decline, you know, what drugs can do to someone. Yeah. I think he's sort of got his life back together a bit now, but yeah. Yeah, it's a long road ahead. Yeah. Now, this guy is an absolute <laughs> twit. John Hopawadi. Uh, oh, finger, finger up the bummy. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes about that, wasn't there? Yeah. The former rugby league star and professional boxer, well, so-called professional boxer, yeah, he's well known for his misdemeanours. According to Steve Mascord from the Sydney Morning Herald, he became the most suspended player of the modern era. In 2018, he was banned for 10 years by the New South Wales Rugby League from any involvement in its and affiliated rugby league. Mm. Yep. During a 2001 game with the North Queensland Cowboys, Hopawati inserted fingers in three players' (laughs) backsides and anuses. Hopawati was suspended for 12 weeks. And he's breached contracts by registering in Rugby Union for Manly under a false name, verbally abusing touch judges and ball boys, 
threatening um, a junior official and receiving a 12-month ban. And he also elbowed, elbowed a Cronulla player to the head in an NRL game in 2005, knocking the player unconscious, and his contract was terminated. Yeah, and he was he threatened and uh, punched opposition players while playing for Narrowena in 2018 in a local A-grade match. I used to live right near Narrowena, go past that. Rugby league ground all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he faced criminal charges too, such as assaulting an employee at a Crow's Nest supermarket in Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a look, like, he's got so so many offences. Like, it's not funny. But then you look at his... It's weird because he's supposed to come from this religious background. Yeah. You know, what they Mormons? Like his son, um, Will Hopawati. Yeah. You know, like his current NRL player. Uh-huh. He took two years out of the game and yeah, it was when, just after he signed a contract with Parramatta, he took uh-huh. two years out of the game and <laughs> travelled around, you know, how they've got to preach and knock uh-huh. on people's doors and yeah. <laughs> like two years and... Uh-huh. It's like a sacrifice they've got to do. But his, his son, like, has never been in one iota of trouble. Like, yeah. Always been squeaky clean. Yeah. Good role model and clean player. Yeah. yeah. Where his dad is just an idiot. Yeah. yeah. So other NRL players, we could go on all day. <laughs> we could do, like, five episodes on it probably. <laughs> That's Todd Carney, yeah. the bubbler. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, he used it for something else. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, he was in trouble all the time, Todd Carney. Yeah. Yeah, like he's, um, yeah, if you just Google that, it'll come up, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, but he had a big problem with alcohol and was always getting in the strife. Yeah. Ended up playing for more clubs than Slim Dusty. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the reason was because he was so talented. Yeah. He was just a brilliant player. You know, he's a 5'8 halfback. Um, he won the Dally M, I think, 2010. Yeah. yeah. And Mitchell Pierce. So he's another one. Like, you go the other way around now. Like, his dad was just a true professional. Wonderful yeah. role model, super fit family man where his son has just been in trouble yeah. for so many things. And one of them was impersonating sex with an animal. <laughs> like, unbelievable. Yeah. And Corey Norman, his association, he's a former Parramatta player. Yeah, he's played for lots of clubs because, yeah, Eventually he gets to the stage where they've had enough of him. His association with bikies and drugs and sex tapes and Matt Lodge, the former Bronco player, is now playing with the Warriors. Yeah, he assaulted a family in America. Yeah, and he had to pay $1.3 million to the family in an American court and compensation. Uh, yep. Uh. Um, but yeah, he's been in trouble recently and that... 
the uh, Warriors' last game of the season at Seabus when they were uh, playing the Titans. He, uh, yeah, <laughs> got into strife. Uh, yeah, abusing all these spectators when he's walking off the field. And, uh, and Serena Williams. Oh, all her on-court tantrums and uh, unsportsmanlike conduct and arguing with umpires and abusing a lineswoman and threatening to shove a tennis ball down a throat. In the 2009 US Open semi-final loss to Kim Clijsters. And just not paying respect at times to opponents when she's been beaten. And, oh gosh. Claims of being mistreated on court because she was a woman. Fitting. Yeah. <laughs> In the 2018 US Open loss to Naomi Osaka. Uh. And poor Naomi Osaka's in tears, you know. She's just... Won a first Grand Slam, greatest moment of her life, and there she is in tears. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just from the crowd booing her, you know, uh. and Serena Williams' behaviour. Now, this guy, Eric Cantona. Yeah, he was a French international and Manchester United footballer, and he was, a, he was one of the greats, you know. And he played a key role in their revival in the 90s. And in 1995, he attracted headlines and controversy around the world during an away match against Crystal Palace. Cantona was sent off by the referee for kicking Palace defender Richard Shaw. And as he was walking from the field, Cantona launched a kung fu-style kick into the crowd directed at Palace supporter Matthew Simmons. He was shouting abuse at Cantona, who also threw us, and he also threw a series of punches at Simmons, and he was sentenced to 120 hours of community service, which was spent coaching children at United's training ground. And according uh, to Trevor Haylett in Wikipedia, he was also stripped of the captaincy of the French national football team, and the FA then increased his ban to eight months. And he copped around a £30,000 fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just trying to... There's been mm. many others. Yeah. Yeah. But we could be here all day, couldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to narrow it down to my top five now, Glenn. Top five. Yep. So, coming in at number five, Dennis Rodman, just for being so weird. Yeah. Yep. Number four, that's a tie, this one. Nick Kyrgios and Bernard Tomic. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, Tonya Harding. Yeah, just going to those depths, you know, to, uh, yeah, take out an opponent. Just. Number two, Mike Tyson, the biting the ear episode. That surely would have left Rex flabbergasted. Uh-huh. And number one in top spot, drum roll, <laughs> John Hopawati. Yep, he's my number one flabbergasted. So, so that is, um, oh. I was surprised that the um, American tennis player didn't make it. No, well... McEnroe. I would have put him in there. He's in... Because he went on for a long time. Yeah. 
doing that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why I can't have him as number one. What is that? Or in my top five. Yeah. Because he's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't press it. Okay, well, yeah. Backwards, though. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? John McEnroe. Yeah. So he was Rex's number one. I didn't think it. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, bit drowsy today because I had the big, I had a big um day yesterday, and then we're up until one o'clock this morning cleaning around the shack here. What'd you get up to yesterday? Oh well, yeah, I had to go to court. Oh, that's right. And do yeah. other stuff, but then yeah, Sammy, Sammy, once she starts cleaning, <laughs> she doesn't stop. I didn't think I didn't think he was going to sleep last night because he just yeah. kept going and going. Come on, come on, see him slow down. Oh gosh, you can come clean my place. <laughs> it's forever getting dirty. As long as you're prepared to have things disappear. That, oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah. And that, no, I mean she went through everything. Yeah. You know, like if I was to tidy and move. I'd be there going, I might use it, I might not. Mm. Yeah, but she's feeling... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about some cricket ones, did we? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of some cricket ones? We've had one a couple of years ago. Cricket did not be there. Oh, involved uh. the uh, something in the pocket. Sandgate. <laughs> yeah, Sandgate. Yeah. That was just... Yeah. What, what about body line? Yeah, body line. Or, yep. Or the um, good one. Or when Tom was instructed to bowl the under. Uh, oh, that was Trevor Chapel. Trevor Chapel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Greg Chapel informed Trevor Chapel yeah. bowl an underarm delivery. But also, like, like in comparison to cricket now, back in the seventies, eighties, where they would, yeah. You know, Bowl full tosses and yeah. just belt the crap out of the, the batsman. Mm. Or the or with the batsman got, got square on the ball, they'd just crack and the ball would just go flying. Yeah. That's one even with this big back big big bash series, I was just thinking about it. I haven't seen a um a cricket ball leave the oval for years. Remember when that used to happen? Yeah. Like they'd just open up and the ball would just clear the um, the stands and then clear the building behind it mm. and land in the back of the MCG somewhere or the SCG. Yeah, I've seen some sixes at the SCG. Like I know Doug Walters hit a six. Yeah. I saw it in this book once. Yeah. I read it in this book. He hit a six that landed, yeah. went outside the uh, SCG. Landed on the. Uh, I used to have a a a playing field there where the players would practice before the game. Yeah, yeah I think it was cricket ground number one. So uh, he, had, he had a ball went over the members there. Yeah, but I've seen some sixes hit the uh, the clock tower. Yeah, at the SCG at the members, but not all the way over. Yeah, because like for for a season or two. You may remember that they had those um, signs up, and every time 
That's right. Yeah, the, the, Mercantile the, Mutual. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, yeah, this what, this is in the 90s. Mm. Imagine if they had that in the 70s. Yeah. Like like that, those signs have just been smashed to bits when they got hit. Oh, Viff Richards would have yeah. he would have taken some out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. With the um domestic one day games, yeah. state one day games, they'd have them placed around the ground. Yeah. yeah, and that was good. Like if the ball hit it on the full. Yeah. Yeah, but it'd be a jackpot, wouldn't it? Like if no. it didn't go if it didn't happen one game, it would the Prize money would go up. Yeah, and up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 there, but there was some games where the, where the sign got hit. Yeah, three or four times. I remember seeing Shane Lee hit it in a game for New South Wales against the ACT Comets back in the nineties. And I remember when he hit it, like he hit the ball. He says, "Hit the sign! Hit the sign!" And then smash! Yeah. <laughs> and he's going, yeah! Um. I think Steve Wall got it one year. Uh, might have been at the Wacker, I think. Um. He was playing for New South Wales. Yeah, but... Uh, no, but uh, I think... Because the grounds are bigger now too. Yeah, you know, yeah well, so they've got more grandstands and... Yeah, but the but, but the actual oval isn't any bigger. Because no, 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 the playing field. Well, the playing fields are a bit shorter because they've got the ropes. Well, there. that's it. Yeah, uh, mm. just to make it perf- perfectly even. To, yeah, yeah, you know, from the centre out to any edge to be roughly the same distance. Mm. Why? Well, I remember back in the eighties and nineties, like um, the only ground that had ropes. And it wasn't the whole of the ground. It was only yeah. some of it. it. was the whacker. Yeah. Yeah, all the other grounds didn't have ropes on them. Uh, yeah. All, had, all fenced. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, it's probably due to injuries and... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, another cricket one is um, the lily kick. Dennis Lilly, when he kicked Jarvid, me and Dad. Uh. <laughs> me and Dad's put his bat up to... Uh, yeah, it was spoken in an early earlier episode. Um, yeah, and just the Pakistan. Uh, oh, bless you! Excuse me. Uh, that was a whopper. I tried to control it. <laughs> the spot fixing. <laughs> yeah, the deliberate no balls yeah. for cash and Hansi Cronje. Yeah, throwing all. Ah! The- Oh, we got another one. Glenn's going to go for the hat trick, everyone. <laughs> Can he do it? Can he do it? Uh, Here it comes. <laughs> Stand by. Yeah. He'll have to sneak it. He'll sneak it. I reckon there's another one coming along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so we salute you, Sir Rex. So, oh, we got the draw now. Okay, well, I've, we, we've got another... Special. Oh, another special. Okay. On sportsmen that have become commentators. That's a good one. Yeah. So we've started off with 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 yeah a variety of of sports um and we'll pick out some from each sport. So cricket, cricket, tennis. Yep. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Um. Even though they're not a sport. Um. And then. 
just talk a little bit about their career and then mm. moving on to um, their commentating career. That's a great, great idea. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about doing a commentator's one sometime, but, yeah, like, you know, we spoke about Rex today yeah. and um, a lot of my other favourite ones, you know, Bruce McAvaney, yeah. Tim Lane, I adore him. Yeah, but Jim yeah. Maxwell, but yeah, yeah, ones that are actual former yeah, you know, like sports Rich, people. Richie yeah. Benno. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what he done not only playing cricket. But well, he going, became an icon, didn't he? Yeah, going into commentary, mm. going in with, with Kerry Packer for the, yeah. the beginning of the one day internationals. Mm. And that, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, well, it was. Uh, yeah, he took that gamble too, didn't he? In yeah. regards to the World Series cricket, yeah. and Tony Tony Gregg, because he, yeah. he he played for a few countries and then Australia, then mm. became a commentator. That's oh, a good one. And Billy Birkenham, if you listen to this podcast, send us a message. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you on. Yeah, he'd be a good one to have on, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Bet, yeah. The twelfth man. Yeah. Anyway. Righty eh. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. So it's a goodbye from Paul. And it's a goodbye from Glenn. Goodbye. Bye. G'day, it's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time.